Good, good, good. Okay, we want to, uh, and Peggy, don't let me forget to announce uh, that before tonight, that's the other. We're going to be in, uh, we're still working on David's life here, so uh, I'm going to um, stop at about five till seven, because I've got, I've already got hours of things to say, because I'm working on a long life here, so I'm just going to kind of pick it up and cut it off tonight as I'm kind of teaching through things, uh, but we're going to start on the five seasons of David's life. David had, uh, David lived 70 years, um, 40 of those years were as king, and he's got a clear, uh, got, we get to see David's life from beginning to end, and what we do in that is get to see what God does as he trains up a son of God. Now, the good news about David is that he's a prototype of the New Testament believer. So whether, whether you're a leader or not, you know, leaders, you're not out of this. This is for all of the sons and daughters of God. This is a prototype that goes across the board in terms of God is after things in your heart, and David gives us a prototype for what he's after. And uh, so although it is, we would say this is for leadership, but it's not. We're leaders. We're the leaders of the planet, right? That's what God's family is. So uh, God's going to be after these things because if we get trained up in these ways, then, then he, when he give us, gives us influence, we're going to influence the way he does. and We're going to make him look good like he is. We're going to reveal his heart. So he takes that very seriously. And uh, here's the good and bad news of what I believe the end-time church is about. The end-time church is, it's a bridal paradigm, which means that it's a, it's a bridegroom coming back for his bride, right? So there's passion there, there's desire, there's focus, and there's fascination, because that's what's going on when, when you know, you're really uh, in love, right? And that's what we're supposed to have, love, that complete love, you know, not just physical uh, type of love, but the whole thing, okay? So it's that. And it's also a father fathering sons and daughters, which means that God, when God gets serious about fathering and he puts his finger on you, he's perfect. That means he doesn't do everything. How many of y'all did everything for your kids? If you do everything for your kids, you're a terrible parent, right? You, you do what, you do some things, but the whole deal is that you teach them how to do and become responsible. So, God the Father's perfect, right? So he's perfectly fathering. The bad news of that is that you don't have any wiggle room, right? Um, I mean, because he's perfect. And he says, and you're in my house, and as long as you're under my roof, this is the way it's going to go, right? So he has his ways, right? He has his ways to get us in between a rock and a hard place to get our attention and and because life does that. It's a, it's a difficult life, guys. It just we're, It's that type of planet, right? It's hard. Um, but he wants to help us rise above those uh, situations. So I wanted to start and <clears throat> give you a little bit of a picture of what this is supposed to look like. Second uh, Corinthians 4, 6 uh, says this. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So, see, that's that initial light. Jesus came 
and gave it so we could see the Son of God. We, get, we got to see a picture of him. We get to see a glimpse of him. And now we got a lot of scripture that tells you a whole lot about him that's inspired if you get into it. Okay, so you got that initial light. It's, it would be likened to a seed planted, and it's a beautiful, perfect seed. It gets planted. That is salvation. Now, the journey of knowing the Lord, which we would call sanctification, would be one of the words that we'd use there. This process of Christ-likeness is what we're after. Proverbs 4.18 would kind of finish that out. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day, right? Here's you got the break of dawn light, that's salvation, and now as you're moving through in time, it's, it's growing greater and greater. And so the glory of God is what we're being captivated by. We should be being captivated by how glorious he is, how beautiful he is, how wonderful he is, how satisfying he is. That's the picture that we're after, and that's the picture that we get in David's life. Um, but he starts out in Bethlehem, okay? So I'm going to just get through Bethlehem tonight because Bethlehem of the five cities or the five seasons, <clears throat> Bethlehem, it takes the longest because it's the most important in terms of the foundation because it's the fundamentals, right? You get the fundamentals of a, of a sport down pat, I mean, you're gonna, it's going to work out for you. If you forsake the fundamentals, then um, you're going to be in trouble. And so Bethlehem represents the foundation, the fundamentals of the faith that David got and how God was drawing him into a love relationship that stuck with him. Even through all of his severe failure, he always knew how loved he was. And so he came back with all his heart, not with half of his heart, but with all of his heart. He was able to rebound from catastrophic sins that would be very difficult to bounce back from. I mean, seriously. If you murdered an innocent person or, or figured out some way to do that, that would devastate me. If once I figured out I had done that, the guilt of that, can you imagine the guilt of that that you'd have to battle if you happened to do that type of thing? Uh, the devil would beat you to death with that if you've got a heart. See, so those are the things you have to work against. David was even with some of those heinous sins that he did that would be devastating to people with a heart like his, he was able to keep his heart open and keep coming back with all of, with all of himself to the Lord and say, I, I need you, but I know you love me. And so let's do this. You know, I want to, I just want to fall forward into this. So it's really amazing David's life is, but it really comes down to what was established in Bethlehem. So Bethlehem represents this in life. It represents the mundane, okay? Uh, early in life, when you're getting started in, in your life, you know, at maybe after high school or you're really after high school because high, high school can be pretty exciting in some ways, but, you know, you're starting your first job. It's not what you want to do for a living, right? It's a first job. Sometimes it can be awful, right? But what you do with the first job, it would be called the mundane, right? It's not the ESPN highlight type of a thing. You're just going in and punching a ticket and doing the best you know how to do. It's not thrilling your heart that you're doing this. You know, you got dreams 
you got desires you want to go places but right now this stage of life is you learning how to just be disciplined how to do a good job how to be responsible in the little it's faithfulness in little so that you can be trusted with more right so it's in the mundane that we really dig down into the fundamentals of our character and the type of character that we're going to carry with us and how we do what we do and why we do it and uh, so Bethlehem represents this for David because he's on the backside of nowhere. This is a tiny little town of about 300 people, okay? Uh, I mean, I'm talking backwoods, nothing going on, and he's been given the worst job that you can have in that culture. Uh, shepherding was uh, seen as the lowest of the low. In fact, all the countries ar around them, like, like the Egyptians, we found out with Joseph, they, they thought that those types of cultures, shepherding people, oh, that's like the worst of the worst. So the, the Israel kind of took on that feeling about it as well, and they would get the lowest of the low to do that job. The criminals, the people who, didn't, who couldn't get their life together, they'd send them out, hire them to take care of the sheep a lot of times as the nation formed. You know, early on in the nation, some of our patriarchs were shepherds. But as the nation began to uh, form up and become a nation, it was like, that's a job for the lowest of the low, you know? And so at this point, this is not a job you'd want. Very dangerous, out in the elements. You're, it's, a, it's a difficult job for all kinds of reasons, okay? And this is where David finds himself, a teenager. He's looking for excitement, and he finds himself on the backside of nowhere doing boring work for the most part, right? We know he had to fight a lion and a bear. That, that was pretty adrenaline rush-like, I'm sure, but, you know, that was few and far between. Most of it was just boring, cold, wet, hot, whatever, you know? And he, and he wants to do more. So David makes the most of that time because he fashions a little guitar for himself in some kind of way and uh and begins to learn to play it he learned how to build something that's something that he did later as king he was helping musicians create instruments and build those things and play them uh it was a little gifting that he had he obviously learned how to pick up a slingshot and probably skinned up all kinds of trees learning how to aim it you know it wasn't some in it was a miracle what he did with goliath but the guy knew how to use one of those things too right it wasn't like he was like, it's blind luck, I hope this works. You know, he, he had been skinning a few trees. He knew how to fire a weapon, okay? Now, I think God made it happen, you know, but again, it's that co-laboring thing there. So he spent his time well in that period of his life. And by the way, this, this, these five seasons, it's not like, okay, I'm done with the Bethlehem years, now I go on to the next year. It's not that linear in our life. We jump around okay, in our walk with God. You can find yourself back in Bethlehem trying to reconnect with your first love at certain points in your walk, okay? So think about this in terms of these are things that God's after in your heart to get your heart full and uh, to be uh, whole and working as it should. So Bethlehem, he's on the backside of nowhere and he is bored a lot of the time. Here's what God's after. He is after intimacy with David. That's what God wants. Now, what God finds in David is someone who wants intimacy with him, which was unusual. David is the one that began to open up his heart and cry out, I want to know you. 
I want to, I don't know you, but I want to know you. I see these stars and evidently had a lot of time on his hands and he was looking around and seeing nature and, and these things were speaking to him and he was, and he was using that as an opportunity, as a springboard to speak to the Lord, to create a relationship. Come, I want to know, come and show me. And see, so we know from 1 Samuel 13 that God heard him because he's like, hey, I, I found somebody, right? So you got that, you got David's heart uh, crying out. This is the Psalm 19. Psalm 19 is that uh, psalm, uh, it's a powerful psalm. Quick, I didn't think about getting that up. I won't have to read the whole thing, but just so you'll remember what it is, because I forgot the beginning. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. That's that. It's a powerful psalm about uh, creation and uh, the fear of the Lord, and all the word of the Lord, and on and on. Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. And uh, so, so it's an incredibly powerful psalm, but it's a it's a reflection of nature and things that he's seeing in nature. Okay? And so, um, so David is looking at the beauty of creation. And he's being drawn into a love affair with God because as he sees these things, he's really taken by it. Like we would be taken for, by a sunset or something that's awe-inspiring. Or when you're out in the country on a, uh, a clear night and you see how many stars are out there and you're just like, whoa, you ever been where the sky just kind of overwhelmed you, and you're responding to it. You're making much of it. So God is doing his part by revealing his beauty to David's heart through creation and his word. Okay, now how? David is seeing God's handiwork. See, that's Romans 1. Your failure to do that, your failure to be overwhelmed by God's beauty in creation leads to sexual deviance. Did y'all know that? That's what it says. I mean, we look at the, what it says is if you don't understand the works of God in creation and, and you're, not a, you're not moved at all by that, you're not understanding who made it and you're not captivated by it towards him, well, one of these uh, primal desires that God has given us is a sexual desire for procreation. That's going to get unhinged. See, that's what's unhinged for people right now. We've got sexual brokenness across the board, and I'm not dying, obviously talking about sexual deviance on the far end, but I'm talking about bad marriages. Bad marriages with good people, right? I mean, come on. Let's not just point to the homosexuals or things like that. Let's look at how bad our marriages are, how little love we're connecting with and giving. I mean, seriously, guys, this, this is serious. Uh, but many of us feel disconnected and unloved, period. That's just the, that's where we are today. That is a direct consequence of not connecting with the beauty and the love of God and having that land in here. Because you can't give something you don't have, right? I mean, we all want to be loved, but what about us loving? We can't give what we don't have. If we haven't connected deeply enough, then we're not going to give it. And that's where we are right now. We're not connecting with the Lord deeply enough. See, Jesus is coming back with the fire in his eyes. Remember in Sunday morning talking about Jesus coming? He's got fire in his eyes. So, uh, Revelation 19 starts out with 
Who's he going to judge? The harlot of Babylon because she spread her sexual deviance all over the planet. See, and this is Jesus coming back. The one, the spurned lover who's been rejected by, these, by this planet. And he's coming back to judge her, that harlot of Babylon. See, do you see the connection there? I mean, we, can, we get to connect to God through the creation. That's one of the avenues through which we're to do it because it's such an incredible creation. And we connect the creation with the one who made it, and then we're like, whoa, God, I love you. Look at what you've made. You've got to make much of that. You've got to. David did that. Plus, he made much of God's word. Now, here's something that happened that was unique to David because David wrote the word of God. So see, he sees the creation, he's astounded by it, and when he was astounded by it, these words started coming up that he got to write down. We call it scripture. But he, but he liked doing that. He liked writing that. People who are good at poetry like writing poetry. It feels good, right? It's a gift. David had a level, a Shakespeare-level gifting in writing, okay? So when you have that type of gifting, you're going to like doing it. And so David was into that. Hey, I love seeing this. And then these words come and I get to write those down. And man, this is fun. I love you, God. See, he's being captivated. Now, I wanted to stop and make a, a, a note on that. Because this is intimacy. And probably a lot of you, like I have, we miss the fact that God is trying to be intimate with us in moments of the day. And we don't connect the dots with it being a moment of intimacy. Now, some of you might, but I wanted to kind of open up this category to all of us because there's other areas. You can have areas of intimacy in your life with God that you do daily, and you would recognize it's God, and you're enjoying Him doing something, kind of with Him involved. But then there's other areas God's inviting you into do that you can fill the gamut so that you're doing more in your day with the Lord. Because we're supposed to be doing everything as unto the Lord. Now let me try to explain this. Because David did this. Y'all remember the, the movie Chariots of Fire? That's a long time ago. But y'all remember the takeaway line from that was that he feels God's pleasure when he runs. Y'all remember that? He, he, that was one of those takeaway lines. That, that as he ran, it was like worship to him because he felt God in it. God made him to do this, and he loved doing it. And when he did it as unto the Lord, it was like worship to him. See, that, that, how, who connects running with intimacy with God? Smart people do. Right? Because God doesn't have these categories of life that, oh, that's not me. You know, go do that as long as you need to, and then come back and see me. No, God's like, oh, I made you to do this. I want to watch you enjoy what I made you to do. See, we get to do that together, and then you get to thank me for making you that way so you could do it, and I could watch you and enjoy it. See, so you do it with him. That's intimacy. Okay, so that's running. That's a category. Athletics. You know, athletes. You know, if they're connected to the Lord in the fact that they like to do it, athletes who play sports, they like it. They enjoy it. It's fun. I used to love it. I used to love working at it, practicing it. So if you can connect the fact that I like doing this, God's okay with it. It's like it's, it's an okay activity. You have to be discerning sometimes what you're enjoying. 
But as long as it's okay, the Lord says, hey, my blessing's on that. Let's do it together. So then you're doing as, that unto, the, as unto the Lord because you're enjoying it. You're feeling his pleasure in it. Does that make sense? Okay, so I just wanted to connect those dots. So listen, a scientist in a lab who is discovering new information is walking out the creation mandate. God made us to do those types of things. Figure it out, right? He says, work at it. Figure it out. Um, you know, you got to take care of this planet. You want to expand and you want to get better. And scientists who do that love doing that. That's why they spend 16 hours a day in the lab. They love it. Nobody's got a gun to their head. See, but if they recognize that God made me to do this and I love doing this and they do it with God while they're, that's a moment of intimacy. It's 16 hours of it. That's a lot better than saying I've got to have some intimacy for 30 minutes in the morning and then I can go to work. How about intimacy with God in the morning and then take him to work and have intimacy with him all day long? I promise you that's going to work out a lot better. Now what you've got to do is find out what your deal is. What do you do that you like to do? Do you like to write? Are you a carpenter, a woodworker? Are you a doctor? Do you like to cook? Some people like to clean right some people really enjoy it it like to straighten this place up man i feel good about it and everything's clean now and you know you i love to blow leaves for like maybe an hour and a half then after that i'm like all right i'm done my arm has lost circulation let's do something else but while i'm doing it i'm thinking i, I mean I'm, do, I'm i'm feeling god speak to me it's time alone with me, and I'm doing something productive, and, and I love it. It's intimacy. It's an intimate moment. Is this making sense? Now, this is our life, guys. The more we figure out that God is present in the things that we enjoy doing, the closer we're going to be to the God who made us to do it. And we've got to fall in love with him. We've got, listen, to, to correct this issue that we've gotten ourselves into we have got to enjoy god more and more and more and more we've got to find areas and we got to have to find more time where the intensity of it is increasing we just have to it's the way we're made so that's intimacy now david didn't miss a thing he wholeheartedly was seeing god's beauty his magnificence and creation and then he had a, a and then he had heard these words coming up in his heart, and he took great pleasure in writing it down. And then he led his whole nation to do it. You know, all the rest of the Psalms were not written by, David didn't write them all, but he was around the people who did write the rest of them. He influenced them in how you come up with something that good. He taught them how to get into the presence and worship the Lord and get into that, that anointed environment where words like that would come. Right? But because that's what happens when people dive in head first with their intimacy and their gifting. So God was wooing David's heart. He was fascinating him with his beauty. He was, he was fixating him upon who he was. God was opening his eyes. <clears throat> and David was seeking him and they were connected. So David is a prototype of Christ who is a prototype of every New Testament believer. If we will seek him, God will open our eyes. And we'll become what we see. That's that 2 Corinthians 3.18. Just like David did. So in Bethlehem. <clears throat> and here's the other thing, guys. This is another default setting of the human being. 
We are created for intimacy. You are going to be intimate with something or with some things. There is no way out of it. You're either going to be filling up that cup in the right place or you're going to be led astray into some other things. Okay? You, that's why we've got to make a big deal out of this. Uh, and see, the enemy knows that too. So he's going to be wooing you into some bad places and here, here, come think my thoughts so I can reproduce after you or after myself. And I wanted to get into that. One of the problems with the intimacy angle, meaning the father of lies sees that it works. He saw what God made. He knows how it works. He has a false, his false way to fill in the gaps. Okay? Um, and he's the father of lies. Jesus explains that to the Pharisees. He says, well, I know your daddy is. He's not, not, he's not mine, but he's yours. He's the father of lies. He's reproduced himself in you, and you better watch out. And there's only two, as far as I can see in Scripture, only two fathers. Now, James 1, 14 and 15, kind of shares this right here says James 1 14 but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed then when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin and sin when it's finished bringeth forth death he says do not err my beloved brethren and then he goes on verse 17 18 19 to talk about the father of lights now he doesn't name the devil but here's what he does do he uses a sexual metaphor in that little sequence of scripture it's a sexual metaphor right conception birth you hear that in there that word bringeth forth is uh teiko i think and in hebrew it means to produce from seed to bear to be born to bring forth or travail see these sexual metaphors are used all through scripture because they are one of our primary desires okay we're hardwired with some primary desires you've got sex food or stimulants and, and drink that category and you've got fear fight or flight which is your emotional life those three primary desires have got to be under wraps you've got to get those things underneath your feet uh, or you're going to be in trouble and what god's saying in the word here in james is come to me commune with me fill your heart with my thoughts give your heart to me so that we can re reproduce the fruits of the Spirit through your life. Because if you don't, you're going to be enticed and drawn away, and somebody else is going to reproduce through you a mess, a complete... Now, it's a sexual metaphor. I mean, it's a sexual metaphor, but it's just a metaphor, right? This has to do with our thoughts, with what we're thinking. How many of y'all had somebody hurt you in the past, and you forgive them? Okay, you forgive them best you know how. You've forgiven as best you Forgiveness is, is, can be a difficult thing sometimes because we can forgive and we can get it off of us and then some time can go by and something will happen and, and a thought will come up and you'll go, oh, all of it comes rushing back. Y'all ever had that happen? And then you get into communing with the devil over it. Oh, I remember you get back into that whole mode, right? Before you know it, you are into a froth right see you're communing you're communing with something you don't want to do that now i've done it and you've done it we're all guilty of it but we've got to become aware 
of what's happening and cut it off. Stop it before you pre- before sin is given birth to with some action, right? So you, you've got you to be aware of what's happening, and the best way to do that is to know that to know the real deal. God, I want to commune with you. I'm more and more and more and more. I want to be giving my heart to you. So these are, uh, these are just things that happen to us that we've got to be aware, aware of. Um, and we're weak, guys. We're weak. When it comes to these primal desires, we're weak. All the other things that lead us astray come out of those. But if we can really aim at the root of the tree there, let God give us some help in these areas to become aware and give our hearts to him in these areas. We can, he'll go deep. Because, see, those things are deep. Those things are foundational. He wants to go to, to the depths with us. Um, so God's saying be very careful who you're agreeing with because the power of your thoughts will become things. That's the power of thoughts. They become things. You can't just let anything you want fly around in here all the time. It, it'll, it'll work its way out. So see, uh, and remember, having just said that, that sexual metaphor, remember John 7, 37, 38, that word belly in there is womb. See? You hear that? It's that womb. It's a, it's a place of reproduction. Now, I didn't write the Bible. Did y'all know that? Just wanted to make sure that you knew I didn't write this, but I am able to read it and tell you what's in it. And this is what's in it. Right? As weird as it sounds, and as strange as it may be to our ears, this is what it's saying. Okay? And that's powerful stuff. Right? We don't want to be given birth to things that will destroy us and others. And that's what we're doing. We're just out of control with a lot of this. So he says in John 37, he starts out, look, if you're thirsty, if your appetite is strong, come to me. Please come to me. Don't destroy the world. Come to me with that thirst. Come to me with that appetite. If you don't, he says the enemy will do his thing because you are not strong enough to stand I'm the one that protects you from him you don't protect yourself from him you can't do it and so it's just a one way or the other type of a deal okay I got five minutes here I've made it an eighth of the way through <laughs> it's funny I'll, I'll be working on all this and I'll look at it and I'll like that's about 30 minutes away and then I start going oh no but what if it's not what if I'm done in five minutes and I have 25 minutes to go? <laughs> yeah, no, it's these rabbit trails. I'm going to blame it on the Lord, Carolyn. God has had me say everything so far. That's my only excuse. Lord, cover me. Okay, um, let's keep on moving here. So, this is the identity that God's after in our hearts. That I am loved and I am a lover of God. Now, I'm an immature lover of God, but I am still a lover. I'm still true in that. He, that also needs to be a healthy definition of our success. We are successful in this world if we're loved by God and we're loving him back. Just keep it as simple as that. Because a lot of people have a lot of different definitions for what success is. And usually it always has to do with something outward. Right? In ministry, it's like, look at how much fruit I've produced. Look at all the effect in, of my life. 
right? Look at all of this, right? Well, if you look at Jesus' life, what would you say if he's 29 and you're looking at Jesus' life? He's 29 years old and you're going to judge Jesus by the fruit of his life. Where's the ministry? Where's the people? Where's the stuff? Do you even know God? It's Jesus. Now, he went out with a bang, right? But the deal is, it's, it's not about us. It's not about us having all this stuff around us and look at all the zing and the zang and all the everything. It's about knowing the Lord in true love and becoming safe in, that, that all I want's you, God. The results are up to you. I want to be faithful. I want to be bold. I want to do everything I'm supposed to do, but the results are up to you. This is your kingdom. Well, you want me to build your church? I can't. And he's clear in Scripture. He will build his church, right? So see, the pressure's off of us, but our culture likes to keep the pressure on. How are you doing there, you sold-out believer? Where's your big, you know, how's the offering? Who's coming? How many families you got? How's your youth group? Don't we do this? Aren't we great or are we not? I think it's about Jesus being great and us really just wanting him. And if we'll get caught up in how awesome he is, I promise you he will bring the fruit. He, he'll do it. And it's his fruit. And then we won't think it was us. Right? And then we won't have to keep them once they get here. Let's make sure everybody's happy. No, let's make sure Jesus is happy. Because won't, we won't have to worry about any of all that stuff. It's just the Spirit of the Lord is here. What do I have to do with that? I know Him. I'm going to do my best loving Him and being loved and loving you because that's the deal. And then all the results are up to Him. Right? That's where we're wanting to aim ourselves today. Right now. Because that's, that's the model. That's what David did. In the mundane when it wasn't happening. Listen, guys. Right now in our church, we could say, according to cultural standards, it's not happening, right? We could say that. If we wanted to be harsh and we wanted to judge from the outside looking in, we could say all these things. That, where's this and where's that? And how, how come this and how come that? Hey, I don't know. But here's what I do know. That in the mundane, when all the stuff isn't happening the way we would love to see it happen, we love Jesus. We just love him. Right? See, See, so if we'll do that like David did, David wasn't after the kingdom. He wasn't after being the king. That was not his aim. He was a shepherd boy in a mundane period of his life, and he was singing a song to the Lord when nobody was watching and nobody was talking about it. And no reporters were coming out and saying, hey, tell us how you killed that lion. We want to hear all about it. Let's put it all over the... Nobody was doing that, but he loved Jesus. He just loved God. See, so a person like that, God can trust. Because he knows they're after him and not his stuff. And see, so each one of these areas of life, and we've, again, we've got to learn this over and over and over. I'm still trying to learn this. Lord, set me free from all these things in my head that I think I've got to have around me before I realize that I'm loved and that you're all that really matters. Set me free from all of it. I just want you. Now, that's a work God has to do in humans because we're very performance-oriented, aren't we? It's just all about the performance and the results. And we don't know anything in the West except bigger, best, and bestest, right? 
We just don't know anything but grow, 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 look at us, look at us go. We don't know anything different than that. And that is not the Lord. You track Jesus' ministry, guys. He would get a big crowd and whittle them down to nothing. That's what he did, right? And he got a rock-solid foundation because he's like, what I'm about to build has to have a solid foundation. And so I'm going to cut all the junk off. I'm not calling people junk, but, you know, let's get everybody out that's not in all the way. And now we can work with this, okay? So I'm going to get people where I need them to be, where I can trust them, where I can send some of my, my power their way and get some things to happen, and it's not going to kill them, and my church is going to be strong, right? So see, that, that's just what, it, that's what we do. That's what he did with David, and so he could trust him, and he started out with Bethlehem because it's that foundation of fascination is where it has to stay. And see, so I'm going to end with this because that foundation in, in David's life, I'm, I'm, I've said earlier, is what kept him coming back for more, right? He went to the depths, he fascinated him with his love, and David never questioned that. He was astounded by God's goodness to him, and we'll get to that late in his life. There were, there were times where David was like, you're too good to, to I can't imagine you what he just gets blown away with god's goodness the older he gets especially as messed up as he as he appeared to be at times right and that's the same thing with us he will astound us and when you see him in that way you will fall at his feet and give more of you to to him it's this tethering process that he does and that's the process that we're in so let's pray you guys come on up we'll have a little time of invitation time father we just we need you to do the same thing you did in david here with us as a group we need to be fascinated by you and we need to know we're loved and we're lovers of you and that lord we get to grow in that we get to grow in the love uh lord that you're so patient and merciful and long-suffering but father we're asking you to to fascinate us lord would you set us free in your love and help us know it's all about you and get us fixed on that. Lord, we need your grace to do that because that does not come natural to humans. It doesn't come normal. It's supernatural. And we're asking you, Father, to turn us from mere men and women into supernatural sons of God who realize your value and who get disconnected from this world's this culture's values and this performance-driven thing that we, uh, that we have in our old nature. So, Lord, we're asking you to just do a powerful work in us as a church and prepare us, Lord. Prepare us. Give us a solid rock foundation that is nothing but Jesus Christ. May we know it's all about you and just fill us up with the sweetness of your love and then hold us, Lord, in your grace. Hold us as you do what you do through us. And Lord, we love you and we thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.